Alright, we are back for another episode of the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast, Tokyo Cliff. Chocolate Buddha in the house, in the middle of Tokyo, inside the Mobile Man Cave, 099 Chevy van, tricked out. Yeah, just having fun. Yes, and for our new listeners, we are a podcast that focus on the international community here in Tokyo and surrounding cities, but you know, most of our guests reside in Tokyo. And yeah, we focus on the international community. As many of you know, Japan is a homogenous society. Maybe what, 95, 96, 97, I, you know, I forget the exact number. 97% are uh, Japanese. However, that little 2, 3, 4% of other gaijins, foreigners, uh, this is who we, who we uh, focus on and highlight. And, you know, we like to let you know that there's a lot of different people here from different countries doing great things. And, yeah, that's what we're about. So, we have Miss Rumi here today. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> it's good. It's going well. Okay. So, yeah, please give our audience, us, a, a self-intro. Tell us a little bit about who you are. So I've been in Tokyo for, I'm on my seventh year now, okay. and though I am Japanese by birth, I was reared in the States, so I do identify as American, especially culturally. Um, and in Japan, I've been working as a producer, and also as an art director, but mainly doing producing these days, and that would be for... Documentaries, music videos, short films, features. Film is more independent, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, we had a another guest that worked in the commercial film industry here. So you're our second guest. And, uh, yeah. So you say you're, you're Japanese ethnically, but culturally American. Right, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> and spent most of your time in the U.S., right? Yes. Okay. Yep. I did in um, Southern California, L.A. and Orange County, um, New York, in Manhattan, and in Memphis, Tennessee. Cool. And wh uh, where did you stay the longest? Ah, uh, Memphis. Memphis. Okay. Well, no. Sorry. Um, it, it'd be California. Okay. But so far as, like, my adult life, definitely Memphis. Okay. So which one is home? all of them home shoot um i guess a little bit all of those places okay they're as much home as japan is okay yeah right so you're just like a kind of like a, a world citizen uh, you know just been around and now you're in japan yeah i'm in japan and yeah i don't know where we'll be next but, <laughs> okay. but there will be a next okay there will be a next <laughs> yeah. okay all right so you know tell us a little bit about growing up because you know, I took a look at your work. You have a lot of great work out there. And I was just curious to how you got into um, art, being an art director and, and, and a producer. You just have this very uh, in-depth um, artsy perspective going on, you know, um, so like fine arts, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So how did you get into that? So, um, hmm. So my education, I, I got my um, BFA in sculpture. Um, but prior to what led me to that, I think, is that 
my mom, when I was growing up, she studied shodo in college, which is the Japanese calligraphy, but taking it to an art form where you have exhibitions. And、um, that's pretty much how you got into what that was like your first、uh, introduction to I think art. And- because my,、um, my mom did a lot of art and she continued to create art.、Um, she We had a kiln in our garage and she would be like throwing pots and things. So it was just kind of, you know, all around me in a way, in a very kind of organic way. It was just there. And to me, like making art or like creating things was just part of your life. Okay. But I never really thought about like doing it as a career. Okay. Or like being a professional artist. But it was something I wanted to study. And she didn't like force you anything to. No, no. They,、um, both of my parents were like, yeah, just do what you want. And especially since they're immigrants and I'm the most, you know,、um, English proficient in the family. And it was like, investigate what you want to do. We really can't help you so far as, you know, how, if you want to go to college, like how to do that. You're going to have to research that.、Um, we'll support you, you know, however we can. But. That's interesting because, like you said, they're Japanese, and like you said, you're more culturally American and you speak you know, English well, better than they did. So, yeah, you, you were kind of like independent, or they kind of made you independent earlier. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah, definitely. And part of that was circumstance. Okay.、Um, you know, they're being immigrants and、yes. mine not as much as them, but also it's just how they are. Like, they both chose to leave their home country and to go to the States. My dad, because he didn't want to be part of this conformist society. And my mom, I think,、um, mm, she wasn't as、um, independent, like entrepreneurial minded as my dad, but there is a certain freedom that she felt in US society. I have numerous friends who. Moved from Japan to the States, and as far as I know, they're still there. So, yeah, I, you do come across Japanese who, once they leave, they just feel a sense of freedom, like you said, they, you know, kind of like an escape, like you said, from this conformist society. And yeah, that's, I find that interesting because it's like, I, it just reiterates a, a, a point, a truth to me that we can live anywhere we want to live. Because you're ethnically this doesn't mean you can't adapt and、right. be culturally that. Yeah,、right? yeah, very much.、So. I mean, it's. Yeah. I think it's constantly informing who you are, and culture itself is it's so fluid. Yes. Yes. On the macro level. Yes, it is. <laughs> so. so, like, at what point did you know that this is what you wanted to do? Like, do, do in terms of like. Film、uh, and, and,、oh. and art. Art, I love. Film, I fell into. I, I have, aside from making things visually, I, I did a,、mm, I was doing writing as well, but that to me was more of like a hobby or, you know, just like a side thing. But coming to Japan,、um, I got into film by doing art direction, which in a nutshell is being accountable for everything visual on set. And I enjoyed that. It kind of made sense. It was like a natural segue from, you know, just making my personal art to then being responsible for visual components of a story. And、um, I like a good story. Okay. 
that the more I did that, the more I realized that so far as work goes, it, it's not as creative as purely doing art for myself. And so far as work, I was like, you know, it's more interesting for me to get into it on a more fundamental level and to be able to have more choice um, over projects and be able to contribute in a way that I think fit my personality more. And that's when I started to do producing, which, um, yeah, it's just more organizing and really being able to choose which projects I choose and I take on. Yeah, speaking of the, you know, projects you take on, I was looking at your your website and, you know, on it, I guess maybe in the, like the about section, and it talks about how, like, your goal is to support people of, you know, marginalized voices. Yeah. And, yeah, so that's, that's the kind of work it seems like you, you kind of choose to be a part of. Am, am I correct? Yeah, that? very much so. Okay. Very much so. Yeah, because it's like, you know, people say, like, you can't write a new story. Like, they've all been written. Yes, yes. But, you know, I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, not really, because how many points of view are actually represented? It's I, I think, like, and sure, the plot, you know, might be the same, but it's it's being written by, it's, you know, being acted by, it's being directed by, depending on that point of view, it, it becomes a different story. Yes. So, and, and by that, you know, um, yeah, marginalized people, anyone who is not a white male, especially, you know, and, yeah. you know, growing up in America, yes. um, a, you know, white American male, not, it, it's just, they are more represented. And it's not something that I can relate to as well. Like, I wouldn't do as good a job producing, you know, that as I would be able to relate to these experiences of, yeah, people who have been marginalized. Okay, yeah, because that was my next question. I was, that was along the lines of my next question is, what makes you, like, how did you become aware of this? Like, because usually I think people, yeah, just speak to, like, being aware of this, of this fact that, um, that you realize that a lot of voices are marginalized and you wanted to help people, you know, share share their stories, their perspectives. Like what, how did that come about? Mm. Is that is that something you, you know, that was, you consciously thought of? Like was that on your mind well, while you were doing films or something that you, you had a realization? How does that? I think it's something that when you grow up in my formative years were in Orange County, which is a really, you know, waspy place. <laughs> and when you are an Asian girl whose parents speak broken English, your otherness is yes. really apparent. And so, you know, knowing like, okay, I'm, I'm not one of them. I am not the, my, sorry, I'm not the majority. Um, that also made me seek out, you know, works like I, I read all the time and I was really, I could relate to, I was inspired and motivated by reading works about struggle, having to overcome, especially whether it's, you know, racial, socioeconomic, um, just conflict points. And yeah. how, how do we work through that? And yeah, um, unfortunately, also being a woman, having, you know, growing up as a girl and being the victim of abuse, that was a huge thing of 
okay, this is also something that happens and happens way too often. And it happens, you know, like for me, I was very young and without even knowing how to to say no. Yeah. <laughs> like the yes. power of no and the positive power of no wasn't even informed. Like I, I didn't really know that. So I think my personal experiences have just made me um, it's inevitable that I was aware and seeking out um, just friends, people, and then work. Yes. Um, that was created by and about those who've who've struggled. Yeah, and that's 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 a beautiful point. I mean, unfortunately, you experience uh, abuse, and that was part of you, you know, your awareness and, and part of the makeup. And, and how you uh, came to that realization. The one film, um, your latest project, The Magic Hour. Magic Hour, yeah. Yeah, speak about that. What, what is that about? That is, um, that was written and directed by Che Grayson. Um, and it's her thesis film um, uh, as an NYU graduate student in the film studies program at Tisch. She reached out to me via a mutual friend and it's a retelling of Frankenstein. And for her, um, you know, it was really important that the crew that she works with be, let's say, women or, or the queer community. And or the queer community, okay. I should say. Um, partly because she really wanted to, I guess, being able to have a choice in who you're working with. That was important to her. You know, growing up in a queer household and also our protagonist, she didn't even know that the protagonist is trans. Yeah, I've read about that. Yeah, that's yeah. what's that act? What's her the actress name? Moore. India Moore. She was um, very drawn to her acting and she saw her reel and then um, was like, oh wow, and she's trans. And you know, Jay was like, I really want her to be a part of this project because this is a really special one where I want people who have been marginalized to feel safe working with this crew. So how, how did you get into the, or how did you come on to the project? Were you, is it through a, yeah. like, how does that work? Um, how did you get that gig? That was through an introduction, um, a mutual friend. Um, reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in this? Um, and I said, oh, this sounds interesting. You know, I always like to hear about projects. And the best ones are when you click with someone. And I understood and I really, I could see what Che wanted to do. And not just the story, like the script was great. Um, and that's super important. Yes, yes. <laughs> For all the hours you know, that yeah. goes into like finally creating the work. But also, um, what was important to her so far as the people that she surrounds herself by and wanting to work with, especially coming to Japan, you know, working internationally, that's, yes. that's another thing. Yes, yes, and the film was in, uh, shot in Tokyo, right? It was shot in Tokyo, yeah. Yeah, and you, you were the line producer, right? I was. Describe that job. What do you do as a line producer? As a line producer, um, I guess the one line description would be that I make sure that the budget and the schedule stay um, in line and intact. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, everything from 
Um, and this is a pretty small crew, and it was an independent short. So, um, yeah, getting the crew together and making you know sure that like the day to day shoot went well, that all the prep was done for it. Okay. And, yeah, because yeah, you know, and I, I also saw Shay's TED Talk. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, Great. yeah, I watched it this morning actually, and it's just like you know, and she spoke about her grandmother and her mother being marginalized, uh, marrying outside of, I guess, marrying outside of the black race, mm-hmm. and but not being able to marry because at the time you couldn't get married right yeah and uh and then and then she also talked about you know other marginalized people as well you know trans and it's it just it's just all tied in as I'm, I'm as i'm you know looking at this video and then you know looking at your work i'm like okay yeah this is totally in line with um your goal to support these type of people and I just, I was just like, wow, that's that's really amazing. Like, I, I'm, I like to connect the dots in that way, you know, when I'm kind of doing my research uh-huh. on, on on someone, and I'm just like, okay, wow, all right, and this actor, and oh, oh, okay, just all connecting, you know, you know, a, a lead actor um, who's trans, and, and you know, a, a director who wants to give these type of people voices, and then yourself you know working on the project as well and having the same vision the same goal i just thought that was like really beautiful oh that's that's really nice to hear yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. so so you said most of your your childhood was in california right yes okay and some of that is in la yeah okay real young in LA and then my parents moved us to orange county because they thought it would be safer <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah you, and i find that i find it interesting because you've lived in three well two major cities and you know memphis is not major but it's, it's still a city with rich culture and the food is awesome and and so talk about like the difference in culture and uh, between la and new york city and memphis it's so different <laughs> it's so <laughs> different um Memphis is the most different, I think, because people have, uh, and myself included, you know, I had this stereotypical, like, oh, it's like the South, and the South is, well, it's just the South, right? The Bible Belt. Yeah, yeah, and Mm. I was like, you know, in California, I'm like, I would never want to live there. I'm like, they still lynch people there. Yeah, (laughs) dumb country fucks and shit like that, right? (laughs) Or so I thought. Southern (laughs) drawl. Behind the times. So it was, like, it was like culture shock, right? Super culture shock. Yeah. Super culture shock. Um, because I had moved from New York. And in New York, there's incredible diversity. Yes, incredible. So, um, yeah, I, I, I never felt like the spotlight was on me just for being who I am racially. But then in Memphis, she, like... I couldn't even understand (laughs) what people were saying um, for the first two weeks because I was like, oh, okay, Southern, Southern speak. Ain't many of y'all kind down here, huh? Nah, nah. (laughs) Nah, see, you got a little of it in you, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she probably probably got some of that uh, Memphis twang going on. Yeah, Yeah. I I can't. I can't. You you can (laughs) understand it now, though, too, right? Definitely, yeah. Um, 
No, but the culture in Memphis, it's so rich. Okay. I am so grateful for my time there because it schooled me in a way that I, I would not understand. You know, I wouldn't be able to get this from books or just watching TV. But So what do you mean? Like, what, like give me some examples. Um, Memphis is a really interesting city. It's a black majority city. It's a poor city. Mm-hmm. Um, the economic divide is intense. That gap is crazy. There's a lot of racism. A lot. Um, but also a lot of not racism as well. It's all mixed in. And then, shoot, like, the music history. Yes. It, it's such a music town. Yes. Everyone you know, either plays music or is a fan of it, and, and they know their music. Like, the roots of... Yeah, the jazz, the... Yes, the soul. The soul. The original, like, yes. rock. It's Exactly, rock, yeah. I, I, I went to Memphis about a year, year or two years ago, can't remember, for work. And I, I was only there for about a week, but, oh, man, the food. <laughs> it's like, oh, my, the barbecue. I mean, it's just... Yeah. No, the barbecue is awesome. I miss the barbecue. <laughs> but now, you know, you mentioned uh, about the racism and the cultural divide and all this. Uh, do you feel that that contributed to the strength and the richness and the soul of the music? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like I became more aware on so many different levels and going out to different places, like going out into the country, but also having the Mississippi River right there. And even things like, you know, taking a class in music history from and listening to these original slave hollas and just understanding like where it all came from and witnessing, you know, seeing the landscape and hearing the water. And it's it's an intense river. Yes. It's um, really does like it'll kill you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there, there's so much history there. How how were the people, like, were they accepting to you? Uh, I think we talked a little bit earlier and you were like, you don't know any, like, Japanese in Memphis. But how how is the Asian population it's, um, in Memphis? There's a significant Vietnamese population. Okay. And actually some of the best Vietnamese food I've had has <laughs> been in Memphis, ironically, right? Wow. Vietnamese and southern cuisine or soul food yeah they should yeah fusion that (laughs) yeah really good with music i mean well you can't get no better than that yeah no i think um for the most part people were welcoming and of course it's kind of like you know you surround yourself with people who are cool (laughs) (laughs) um and they were just real curious about like me or um, where I came from or Japanese culture. But, you know, also it's it, it was very much like, what are you? You know, where were you? Where are you born? Wow. You, you know, it's being you're from Japan. Right. Isn't that in China? Right. Did you get, did you get- oh, I got a lot of that. A <laughs> lot of that. A lot of like um, and also like older white men being very like kind of diminutive and that like oh wow i can't believe you know then a little asian girl like you can speak southern so you know like yeah, that yeah. just shocked the shit out of me and yeah. like uh, there is a, a little bit of that as mm, well okay 
So wouldn't be the South if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> or, or anywhere. I mean, I got that in New York too. Oh, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. China doll. Exactly. No, <laughs> so it's like I totally get it because that's that happened to my wife when she came to visit me one time, and yeah, China doll and people trying walking up to you speaking to you in Chinese and right, you know, or trying to speak Chinese. Yeah, and. I, I, so this is funny too. Like um, the most racist encounter I had was um, when I went into this um, store and wanted to buy these like food dogs, and um, the owners were like, "Where are you? You know, where are you from?" And I was like, "Well, I, I'm Japanese," mm. and they refused to sell them to me because they were Chinese. Ah. And you know the racism. Wow! Yeah, the history. There, yeah, yeah, runs really deep. And um, yeah. Wow. So I was like, wow! I had to come all the way to Memphis to <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> experience. Right? You know, this wow. kind of racism. But now, why why did you move to Memphis? Mm, I moved to Memphis because um, my ex is from Memphis. Um, okay. We were trying to move from New York to Baltimore trying to move from New York to Baltimore and that didn't work out and that did not work out um we got scammed by a landlord yeah who's so notorious that um the cops because he called the cops on us um or like you know he does this all the time to people I don't know what to tell you you can try to take it to civil court but um so yeah that's when um my ex and I were like you know what we moved we, we need to regroup and we need to go to a place where we we know people where we have like some kind of resources so um that that's memphis is the closest place we could afford to move to and you said he's from memphis she um she yeah he's <laughs> from memphis okay and then so you you're, you're there with her and what happened like like how does it well obviously she became your ex but did you did something happen in Memphis to where you guys that um it was we got together really young okay um we were both I think 20 okay and it was that classic thing where um she wanted to settle down and have you know family and I wasn't ready Okay. And it was just, you know, shit or get off the pot. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, just different different life goals, timing. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then you separated. Okay. All right. And then, so at, at what point do you leave Memphis? And why do you leave Memphis? I left Memphis because um, I knew after a decade that I, I wanted, I needed to experience a different place because Memphis is a small town and I just felt like I, I wasn't as inspired as I was I, I felt like I needed something else to grow and I thought it would be good to move but I didn't know where and then I met my next partner and um, we decided to, to move abroad they were really insistent on, like, I am going to leave okay. um, this country. And it's going to be Spain, if you want to come with me. And I said, I don't know about Spain. I mean, you can speak Spanish. I can't. Yeah. Um, and then they were like, okay, what about Japan? And that, that was that. 
you know, it took me about a month or so. And then I was like, okay, let's do this. And now coming back to Japan, excuse me, (coughs) coming back to Japan, you're kind of like a foreigner, right? In the sense to where you, you you know, you you didn't grow up in Japanese culture, you know, ethnically Japanese, but how was that for you? Like adjusting and, you know, to Japanese society after being in Memphis and LA and New York. Yeah, it's um, you know, I don't think I'm fully adjusted. <laughs> yeah, they can. <laughs> um, it's it's always it's like perpetual learning. Okay. And it's like um, you know, there there are things sure that are totally natural to me now living here, and I get like um with Japanese culture and the language um, but yeah, like I still make like social faux pas. I'm sure. Like I'm still. I, I'm sure I still do things that I'm not even aware of that are, like, not, you know, Japanese. Is there ever, like, any type of, like, weird reaction to something that you do or say? Because, and I say that because a Japanese person looking at you physically, they're thinking, well, they know you are Japanese, but then you might do something that's not Japanese, and they're, like, kind of confused. Yeah, yeah, the confused look happens a lot. It does. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And um, people will ask me. Where are you from? Where, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Japanese will ask you where you're from in Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where does that lead to? Like what kind of uh, reaction would they get when you answer them? Um, I think on the one hand they're satisfied because they know, you know, it's like, right, you're not native, okay. native Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the most part, people are just like kind of curious. Mm. And beyond that, I think, um, I've gotten more like reactions of like, oh, that's, you know, I wish I could have had like, you know, that experience of like Mm. not just being here or it's cool that, you know, you're bilingual or most of the responses so some are like envious or a little bit yeah yeah hey uh i got i got a little lost uh early i want to go back to the um your previous relationship was that with a woman um previous relationship with which one because you said a she was that was that a woman or a lesbian relationship or when I yeah the person whom I moved to Memphis with Mm -hmm. yes was a woman that was a lesbian relationship oh okay 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 and then the person you moved to Japan with was now this is interesting okay (laughs) wait wait hold up hold up just 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 one more okay so when you were growing up did you feel attracted to women or what led to that relationship curiosity or what I think um, curiosity coupled with, I think I was much more open to not defining myself as like strictly hetero. And I think part of it was having had such um, a bad experience, say with abuse, with sexual abuse Mm. um, perpetrated by a man. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's... For me, especially as I was, like, figuring out relationships as a young adult, it really was more about who do I feel safe and intimate with. It wasn't so much, like, about the sexual chemistry 
that was important, sure, but it was more important for me to be able to like connect with someone. And I just, yeah, and I, th- I think especially because um, I met her in New York. It, you know, it's like, yeah, in a liberal um, place. Very liberal, yeah. yeah so so yeah, there's a lot of um, examples of diversity and, and you know yeah, sexual yeah. you know relationships cool thanks for sharing that because I, I was a little confused at first i was like okay is this so, so i was just curious about it so yeah yeah, yeah. no i'm glad you asked <laughs> yeah 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 and so now going back to i think where we kind of left off before buddha cut in with that you said the person you moved here with was uh male he was a, he was a guy he was, um he was an act your ex right? was yes was okay was yes. all right yeah explain that so um my the person i moved to tokyo with right before we left memphis about six months prior to um came out as um a cross-dresser and i sat with that we sat with that for a while and i asked well are you a cross-dresser or are you trans? And um, he thought about it and, you know, took his time and really just um, researched and um, went to um, support groups and, you know, really tried to figure this out and then came out as trans before we moved. She, at that time, didn't really know how... She wanted to identify herself, or seems like because you said you asked you asked her is she trans or is she cross dressed, and you said she did her research and looked at right. So I was the first person okay. that she came out to. Okay, um, I was the first person that, upon her, you know, coming out to me, mm-hmm. asked her these questions mm-hmm. that then made her think, like, yeah, may- maybe, maybe it doesn't stop you know, at cross-dressing, so. Did you feel uh, betrayed? I felt a little bit, but in terms of the future that I envisioned with this person whom I really thought I was going to marry, that felt, um, I was like, oh, okay, that that future that we had talked about might might not be the same. So at that time, when you got into this relationship, you were totally secure in the fact that I'm no longer interested in a lesbian relationship. I am totally hetero, or I guess that's a word for women, too. Uh, But yeah, did you feel at that point that you were totally attracted to men, that this is, you felt more safe and secure now since you entered this relationship with this person whom you began to trust in everything, this, that, and the other. Did you feel more, did that change your, let's say, outlook on a female-male relationship? Yeah, I think, um, to, I guess, answer it in a word, um, yeah, I identified more as a hetero, yeah, as being wanting to date men. Sure, I mean, I guess if you know, if there's a spectrum, right? I'm not completely on one side of it. Yes, and that's a great way to put it. I had a friend. Well, I have a friend. He's still a friend. Um, he came out to me, and make a long story short, that was the way he put it. You know, he said 
you know, he said humans, sexually speaking, we're all on a spectrum. So, you know, that's how he sees it. It's not, you know, and he's similar to you. He said it was just more about connecting with the right person. You know, sex didn't matter. The mm. You know, male or female didn't matter. And um, similar to you as well, he went back to a heterosexual relationship. Mm. And he's been pretty happy seems like he might marry her so but yeah i just thought about him when you you said that yeah it's like interesting because you know as as you said that i was thinking like as my ex was transitioning though and you know really primal like biological elements of his maleness went away from the shape of his body to even his smell um you know these like really kind of like kind of kind of primal things um it it did affect my attraction so it was like this curious thing of like shoot something is changing and on this like biological level my body is responding or not responding to these changes was he taking hormones or something like that that caused that right yeah. change yep yeah yeah, because I, I was ready to say, man, I never heard of it changing. Like, in spite of the fact that you may decide to identify a male who decide to identify as a female, I wouldn't think these hormonal changes would just naturally happen. So, so he did. He started. Did he? Did he tell you? I mean, was it? I mean, did you find out later, or you know, he was taking them without your knowledge, so to speak? No, never without my knowledge. It really was like we were doing this as a team. Like, um, okay, this is who you want to be. So you became supportive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. It's, um... Now, since, you know, going back to... Because this is all, you know, relating to um, why you like to highlight, you know, through your work, you like to highlight the, you know, marginalized people. I know you, you, you've only been in Japan a short time, mm-hmm. but... Do you feel that the Japanese are struggling with the same um, crisis, internal crisis, in as far as the Japanese society's accepting of homosexuality, same-sex marriage, trans, you know, because I've been reading a lot of stuff and it's a big struggle. I can't think of the gentleman's name, but it just got turned down by the Supreme Court that he wanted to identify as a woman. Mm -hmm. And they said that, hey, unless you go through the whole full operation and get rid of the penis and all this, that and the other, it ain't happening. Right. So do you feel that... They have to be sterilized. Yeah, I saw that already. Yeah, Yeah. basically. That was crazy. And so... Through your work, are you going to try to, let's say, create an environment where Japanese would feel comfortable to do it and maybe make a film in Japanese about it or something like that? To I Sure, yeah, I would love to. Mm. I would love to. I mean, is that in your future or have you thought about it? or? Um, I've thought about it. There's not like um, a project in place, mm-hmm. say, but... Um, yeah, for sure. Especially because, um, you know, I work with a variety of directors and even though they might not be Japanese, they often, when they write a, a script, 
and they choose to film it in Japan. It's it's really you know it's a really conscious effort. Um, so the film actually is in Japanese. Oh, it's in Japanese. Yeah, like not not the one that you know we had talked about yeah, earlier, yeah, yeah, Magic yeah, yeah. Hour. But I I have worked on on films where, regardless of you know the director or the writer not being Japanese, they are fully committed, and it's their vision to make this film with a Japanese cast in Japanese. So um, I guess that they'll have to have Japanese consulting or something like that, or some experts in the field of, you know, is, is, does that also go into the work of the film? I think it depends on the film. But for, surprisingly, right, the, the core of the story is, it's a very human struggle. It's, it's really about, often about one or, you know, two people. It's their emotional struggle, their evolution. They're dealing with something. And in some ways, um, the backdrop becomes second nature Mm. um and there definitely is an element of you know we want to make sure that this is being true to japan that we're not you know enforcing some kind of weird ideology that is totally inappropriate because we're not japanese and we don't get some things like things like that um yeah they're hashed out yeah but like the core of the story is um, what was beautiful about I think film is that it, it's pretty universal. Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking that, because um, I'm thinking that okay, uh, I mean, people, actors and actresses, that I mean that's what the word means. They they can they can act out something, but is it coming from the core? You can use a Japanese cast to, let's say, express uh, or to portray something that. Japanese wouldn't maybe wouldn't understand even though it's done by a Japanese person you see what I'm getting at Mm -hmm. so that's why I was asking us like in order to do a project like that would you have to have someone who's like a consultant in as far as okay how is this to relate to the Japanese mindset organically you you see what I'm getting at from a real deep you know, I think there's a lot of research. Yeah, for sure. But I think to understand, like, um, on the one hand, you know, where is Japan socially, and and that's a tough one because, like, man, there are so many different opinions even amongst just the LGBTQ you know community here. Um, but also, what what are the laws like? I mean, it does go back to legislature, you know, it's like who's protected, who isn't, where in Tokyo can you, you know, cohabitate as a gay couple and have legal protection? Um, So in that way, yeah, there's a lot of, I think, like research and then definitely um, lots of discussion with Japanese um but you you do uh, it's always like keeping in mind that you know it's ideal to be able to talk to a lot of different people but how much time and energy right can you yeah give to that especially if it's a narrative work and not a documentary yeah yeah yeah, yeah. then it gets a little bit split but but yes there is a there is research done for sure so your ex she she's fully made the transition now right yeah. I mean, is she still in Japan or? Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. And I'm just trying to 
understand like how is she dealing with her transition and being in a culture or a place that's well I can't well I think you can seem like you can exist here right mm-hmm. as trans but like going back to your point of what is the 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 um socially like do they have rights or or will they be subjected to discrimination and and you know that type of thing so yeah. I'm just kind of wondering how she's dealing with that type of stuff socially it's um, and still being kind of you know it's it's interesting early in her transition like um I think the early part of transition like she was saying that Japan in a way is a is a pretty easy place in which to do the transition when you're you know she felt very self-conscious where she felt like she looked androgynous at best and Mm -hmm. um because it's safer here and by that I mean you know you can dress you can look especially in Tokyo any which way and people will not give you shit for it like wow exactly you know I I see I, I honestly I see them here and there I see trans people on the train and you know and I can I can you know most people can tell but it's just like like you said it's the safety factor so whereas in Memphis I was absolutely terrified for her exactly I was like oh fuck if you get pulled over by a cop you know and it's late and if if they know yeah they can tell yeah I'm like oh shit like I was absolutely terrified yeah um so because of that and also like you know there is (laughs) the thing that I think is a love hate you know thing with Japan is like (laughs) people don't really like look at other people they don't yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, that is, that's a that great is. that's a great point because you know. people walk with their head down. They don't really they're not they're not as um, they're not as observant as like people in New York City or, or in people in, you know basically the states, right? Yeah, yeah. motherfuckers nosy <laughs> in the states. But then but then it's yeah. this then it's this other kind of like interesting factor that you even see whether they're trans or not you see men dressing up as women on tv you know whether whether it be for comedic purposes entertainment um but actually um matsuko Mm -hmm. do you know matsuko the trans yeah yeah entertainer yes so she's able to exist in an entertainment as herself right without anyone i'm not gonna say without anyone no people know i think who she, you know, who she is, and but without any criticism or complaints or, you know, the station saying, oh, maybe this is not a good thing to have this type of person on Japanese TV, you know. So, like you said, there is, there is a certain safety factor that, that exists within Japan. There, there is. But like you know, going back to what I say, when you talk about legal stuff, that's where it gets. And when you get a little bit, when you dig a little bit deeper in terms of like, like your example with Metzko, right? Like, yeah. um, entertainment, I feel, is a little bit different because you, the entertainment industry, even in Japan, still welcomes like quite a range of people. But then if you are, you know, working in, for a company as a full-time employee 
if you are gay that's totally different if you are trans yeah i feel it's tough that is yeah and that like so it's like you or it can be yeah it's like because it's entertainment it's like whatever you know it's like okay oh cool you know you know. Especially if you're popular. Yeah, right? if you're popular, yeah. Then, that's, that's really what it's about. Right. You know? It's it's like ratings and you know. money. So what's what's coming up for you? Like what are you currently working on or um, talk about your future uh, projects? Yeah, let's see. I've got a couple of shoots. Okay. Um, but I'm also writing my screenplay. Um okay. that's my my big you know, thing that I want to really finish. Um. <laughs> what is? Can you give us a summary of what that's about? Yeah, it's um, it's it's based on my experience. It's based on my experience with my ex who okay. came out to me as trans. Because, you know, when when I talk to people about this or my friends have seen this, like, <laughs> it sounds like, wow, that's such a crazy experience. And, but then I was like thinking, but you know what, like all the stages of emotions and yes. acceptance and really grief, like grief is this like kind of underlying thing, you know, when a relationship is over or when you experience death and that's pretty universal. So it's like, yeah, I get that it, it is an unusual story, but as people, you know, what we experience through this is, I think, pretty relatable. Yes. So, yeah, um, okay. yeah that's what I'm working on, making a story cool. out of that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds, I, I think it will be a hit. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's it's pretty deep, you know. And, and, and you're talking about grief and death. So do, do you feel that he died and yeah. she was born? Did, did, did you, did that? Was that a part of your emotional, let's say, roller coaster, so to speak, or was it a roller coaster? Or? It it was such a roller coaster. Oh, I could, yeah. Such a roller coaster, um, and yeah, like for me, I, like I said, grief because like I remember I was um after she came out to me, you know, it's like it's getting to be Christmas time, and I was like wrapping presents, and some of the presents were like um articles of like women's clothing and then I realized I was like oh he's gone Mm. like you know the person that I knew when I met him like Mm. the Christmas that we had last year like we're never that that's just not gonna happen again Mm. Mm. um and that that was kind of like one of those moments of um sadness of like yeah like you know Wow. That's that's no more. Um, changing names. Yeah. Oh wow. So that that person really doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a, so. Are you? So how do you feel now about it? I mean, I, I know you've, I know you were supportive and you still are. Um, are you happy to be able to be with, or kind of be there for this person, be there for her during this transition, and are you still? close yeah connected yeah yes to all of that okay (laughs) no i am honestly i'm really really grateful that she came into my life you know there were moments where it was really freaking hard Mm. um and there were moments where i was very sad but also like i grew so much like Mm. it tested me on so many levels like 
I yeah. feel like it was, you know, fast fail times hundred <laughs> over the course of like the years. But because I care about her so much, like honestly, I wouldn't have wanted anyone else. I wouldn't have trusted anyone else to be there and support her and really, you know, have um, her best interest yes. at heart. Yes. So, um, but yeah, we're still we're still friends cool. for sure. That is deep. Sound like it's gonna be a great story. Yeah. <laughs> Can't yeah. wait to see it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> Yeah. So, so how long do you see yourself uh, in Japan? I mean, oh, for for a little while for yet, little, you okay. know, for um, at least a few years. Few years, okay. Yeah, as long as I can keep traveling too. Like, <laughs> right. Th- that's that's huge for me. I think you went to Australia recently, right, to do yeah. some work. Yes, I was in Tasmania. Nice. It was really beautiful. Really, mm. really great. Mm. Um. And what project were you working on there? That was um, a shoot for Google. Okay. And um, we were highlighting a lavender farm up in the northern part of Tasmania, Bridisto Lavender Estate. And, um, yeah, just amazing. Really um, clean air. And, you know, especially when you're in, in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. It's like just to see such space. Yes. <laughs> that you know, when, when I went everything. back to uh, I went back to the States last year, last summer, it was like it was a, as if I was experiencing a different country or, or, or just a, a different look. I had a different perspective on it because, like you said, the space, something as simple as space. Yeah. I could tell, you know, because I've been here for, you know, five, six years and hadn't traveled back and another thing i noticed too was like i'm driving well my father's driving i'm in a car with him passenger seat and we're going down this road in north carolina and it's like all these damn churches <laughs> like you know right. it's, it's funny because yeah. i you know before i moved before i left u.s as something i just i mean i knew there was a lot of churches but i just you know i left and then you know here you don't really see that many churches I'm driving my father. I'm like, church, church, church. <laughs> like every, it seemed like every mile there was a church, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was like I guess you call it reverse, reverse culture shock, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, just like wow. All right, well, we definitely appreciate you for coming on and sharing your awesome. story. No, thank you that for having me. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, yeah. You, you. Your story was was fucking breathtaking. I mean, huh. that journey. Because my wife would come back and say, you know, honey, I'm a man. I'm a bitch. You know, Hell no, you ain't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that that was it, that was a beautiful story. That was awesome. Thank Appreciate you. having your fist bump. Thank you yes. so much. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank Continue you. the work. That's mm. great work you're doing. Um, do, before we get out of here, do you have any, like, favorite projects that you've done? Or, like, you know, uh, no, not really. Let's see. I mean. You like all of them. I don't like all of them. You don't like them? <laughs> no. no, Magic Hour is great. Ma- that, oh, yeah. That, that one was really great. Where, um, can, where can I see that? We're still um, oh, so shopping still in- the festival circuit. Okay, right gotcha. Now. So, yep. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that I'll be able to let you know. Like, yes, hey, please we got do. into, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, but yeah. Honestly, it's about the crew. Okay. Um, It really is. You know, like with anything, Yes, right? amazing when, crew. When you're working on a project... 
that you know has a start and an end date and really it's like the time that you have with these people and when they're good people yeah it's it's memorable yeah Yeah. and well when it's not it's also memorable (laughs) and i probably learn a lot more but (laughs) shout out to the the crew uh, the director, the lead actor. Yeah, um, Actress, Jay Grayson and India Moore and everyone in Tokyo who worked their asses off on that one. Um, mm. Just thank you for the experience. All right. Uh, Social media shout outs. Uh, you know, yeah. um, shoot, I wish. I'm just really not, bad yeah, not really at on social, social media. media. <laughs> no worries. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just thought maybe yeah. you had. No, you know. thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's, um, I need to, I need to be better at that. Okay. I think that's, I'll work on that this year. <laughs> you know what would yeah. be a great hookup? Her and El Monte. Shout out to El Monte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, ever yeah, heard yeah. of him? No. Jeffrey El Monte? Yeah. Follow him on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. He was in Japan for about a week. You guys, we you guys would chop it up. You guys would, oh man, you, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, great yeah. Uh, filmmaker, writer. Yeah. From New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he puts out a lot of uh, provocative content that's nice. really interesting, though. Yeah, it's really, he's a, he's a great mind, young mind, but uh, yeah. Provocation is good. Yes, yeah. oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and, and you're 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 doing that as well. So you know, with that story that you're working on. So yeah, I try. <laughs> Word. <Keep> trying. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rumi. Thank you. Appreciate guys. it, Rumi. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. For more episodes, please visit rump.podbean.com, or you can head straight to Google and type in Raw urban mobile podcast you can also listen to us on spotify itunes and wherever you can stream or download podcasts